If I'm feeling low or I'm feeling like I am having a problem or a thought needs to be resolved in my head around my business, I just go to the garden, I go to the plants, and I weed. I know it sounds nerdy, but certain types of gardening tasks can be very meditative. So (laughs) it's funny, but I literally, I like get down on my knees and I weed. And usually, you know, within like 15 minutes, I feel better. You're listening to Made Here, a podcast about what it means to be an underserved entrepreneur in America and what it takes to turn a small business idea into reality. I'm your host, Stacey Klein. Today's episode feels just a little bit more zen than some of the other conversations we've had on the podcast. And I believe it has to do a lot with our featured guest, Katie Delwich. Katie is the woman behind Cloud and Crow, a company that provides garden care and design in the San Francisco Bay Area. Katie has farming in her blood, and for years she's helped clients cultivate a relationship with their garden. I spoke with Katie last spring, and in our conversation, she talks to us about her roots, no pun intended how she bounced back from the 2008 recession, learned to pivot in a COVID-19 world, and why she thinks entrepreneurship has to do more about being service-oriented or actualizing one's own purpose. Since 2003, Katie has been emphasizing the power of being in the garden as a way for people to rediscover and reconnect with nature and their own selves. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much for joining and being a guest on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to chatting. So you're currently in San Francisco, right? Yes. Um, Yes. But can you tell me about your roots and where did you grow up? Sure. Yes. Um, First of all, thanks for having me. I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Sometimes people ask if I grew up in a city. It's Green Bay is definitely a kind of a mid-sized city. It's not rural, but you don't have to drive very far to get out of town. (laughs) And so um, I had a very, I guess, traditional Midwest upbringing, middle class. Uh, I spent a lot of time outside running around in parks and, um, you know, playing and dreaming a lot. So that's. Yeah. So you were there and I'm from Minnesota. So I have Uh, like a little bit of love, just this Midwest. (laughs) Um, So how did you end up in San Francisco? Oh gosh. Yeah, that's a I I you know I ended up coming out here to go to art school. Um I've always been drawn to creative endeavors and I decided to come out to go to the San Francisco Art Institute uh after doing AmeriCorps in St. Louis. And I got here, I did a semester and I did the math on how much money I was going to owe after school. And I wasn't really in love with the school itself. And I just made a decision at that time to stop going to art school. And then I just stayed, you know. I fell in love with the city. Um, It's a really fabulous place to be. A lot of amazing people here, a lot of great ideas. So it just kind of hooked me. Yeah, it's a great city. So prior to founding Cloud and Crow Garden and Apothecary, what were you doing? 
Well, I've be- I've actually been a gardener for many years. I would say I started gardening professionally in 2000. So I've had my hands in the dirt for a long time. I had a more traditional gardening business, I would say, before I started Cloud and Crow. The reason I started this new business is because I I was finding myself a little burned out on traditional like service oriented gardening that was just specifically about making it beautiful and I love making it beautiful for the record but you know it's 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 also for me a garden is really about a feeling that you're creating and I wanted to be more hands-on with my clients and I wanted to work a little bit differently so I basically kind of took the ship and kind of started to turn it and um, started this new business, which incorporated herbalism. And I've always been holistic, but basically just like really, you know, putting that front and center, just trying to really help city people specifically find a way to connect with the natural world. That's really the purpose of my business now. Okay. So it sounds like it started out as gardening and then you've started adding additional things to it. Yes, I would say adding and also just really shifting the focus and trying to help city people understand why it's important to spend time outside. You know, we spend a lot of time commuting, we work long hours, and people, I've just found that people are really hungry for kind of a harmonious feeling after dealing with all of their work life, they want to come home and they want to do something that's a little more body-based and they want to, you know, have a sanctuary, have a retreat from their daily grind. So my business is kind of focused on trying to help people find that in their own backyard. So tell me a little bit about the different services that you provide, if you can just give a brief description of them. Sure. Um, So I provide traditional garden maintenance. I love to actually steward and maintain a green space over time. So in landscaping, we call that maintenance. And a lot of people don't like to do (laughs) maintenance. It's sort of the less glamorous side of what we do. Um, Design tends to be pushed a little more to the forefront. But I find there's you know, there's a lot of value to both creating a space and then having the opportunity to stay with the space over time to, I guess, help the client tailor it to be more of what they want it to be and what they need it to be for themselves. So I do maintenance, I do design. I also am trained as a community herbalist and I know how to use plants to help people with their health conditions. And so I I like to bring some of that training into the garden too, if people are interested. So sometimes people just want to grow culinary herbs. Sometimes people want to grow um, medicinal herbs. And uh, I just try to help them do all of that if they're interested. That's great. It's, It's fun. It's very specific to each client. So I offer a lot, but I also, you know, try to just guide people according to what they're interested in. You know, you've said that you have a passion for this. It's something that you've been doing for some time. What made you believe that you could just jump and take the leap to start your own business? That's a really great question. I think it was my mom, to be honest. I mean, she's kind of a tour de force Midwest woman, like a lot of women are from the Midwest. You know, I grew up around people who 
were making things, sewing things, canning, jamming, raising chickens. People kind of do it all back home. And then sometimes they decide to sell those products to their, usually to their community, to their friends. And I just saw her doing a lot of different things all the time. And I guess I never really, for me, it was just kind of a natural. It was like, okay, I have this skill that actually has been handed down in my family. I come from a very long line of gardeners and farmers <laughs> dating way, way back to Europe. You know, like basically I come from, a, you know, land tending roots. We were never the manor lords. We were the people tending the land. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like that skill set is very natural for me. And I live in a city where people don't always have the time to do it themselves. And so it was a natural fit that I could offer um, gardening services and help people like realize their vision for what they wanted in their backyard. Yeah. So, you know, you have this long lineage of people who have the same sort of skill and hobby as you, but you're doing it in a city. I am. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So tell me about city gardening and how that's different. Yeah, city gardening actually is quite different from, you know, kind of more, I guess, middle class or traditional rural gardening. You know, where I grew up, people had giant yards and a lot of grass. Uh, San Francisco, we don't tend to have giant yards here. I mean, there are exceptions, of course, but people tend to have very little front yard space. They have a larger backyard There aren't that many lawns left in San Francisco. Some people still have them, but there's a real trend toward water conservation and drought-tolerant plants and pulling up lawns and just making a space be really functional for the entire family. So sometimes that includes just, you know, a really different setup than you might expect in a traditional, um, like, Wisconsin backyard. You know, when I think about San Francisco and the entrepreneur small business community like immediately pops into my head of really young people in their sweatshirts, tech startups, (laughs) like that's what comes to my mind. But that's, you know, of course, that is a big piece of it, but it's not everything. Will you tell me a little bit about the small business community in San Francisco? Sure. I I will try my best. I mean, what I can say with all certainty is that it's super varied here. Um, This city tends to draw so many different types of people with all different types of ideas. Of course, tech is a huge sector, but tech people have to eat. And so it can be, (laughs) you know, someone who has a dream to open a restaurant or, you know, in my field, the landscaping field, there actually is a lot of money to be made in landscaping and, you know, providing maintenance for clients. So, I mean, it just like completely runs the gamut from like some small mom and pop corner store to uh, something, you know, really elaborate and well-funded in the tech sector. It's just, it's all over the map. And I actually, I find that super inspiring actually, because anyone can have a good idea And if your idea is good and there's a market for it, you can really make something happen here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, on that same front, when I think about that person that I described, that tech person, that young person, um, 
I think that's what a lot of people think about with entrepreneurship in general. It's sort of this like powerful white man who wants to make a billion dollars and, (laughs) you know, in this big high rise building or whatever the case may be. And there's a lot of business owners who I talk to and call them an entrepreneur. I'll sometimes get corrected and be like, I'm not an entrepreneur. You have to back up and be like, well, what do you think that means? Because you are an entrepreneur, but they have this sort of picture in their mind. Mm. And so I'm curious from your point of view of, you know, when you were younger, when you were growing up, what did you think a typical entrepreneur looked like? Um, That's a great question. I don't, when I was growing up, I don't think I really thought about it too much. Uh, (laughs) To be honest, I had my first job when I was, you know, probably 12 and I like bought a paper route from someone. And I guess I just felt like I'm a very independent person that has a lot of interesting ideas that I just wanted to explore and create something. So I just kept pushing forward, kind of following my heart a little bit more. Maybe the sticking point is how we define success in general in Western culture. And so when you talk about a traditional entrepreneur, you think about someone who has like a really big business vision, a really big business plan, and they need a lot of money, and then they're going to make a lot of money. But a lot of people maybe have a vision that's more about self-satisfaction or is more service-oriented. And I think that's more the category that I fall into. I love living in San Francisco, but it's really not always the easiest city to live in. And I just am trying to make it more livable in my certain way and to help connect people to really connect them to themselves, you know? I mean, if you feel relaxed at the end of your day and connected to the natural world, then you can recognize that you're part of something bigger. And I just feel like there's a lot of value in that. For me, that's my place of power. And sometimes it's something very small, like, um, you know, if I can even just get a client out in their garden to cut on a bush even if they're not going to quote unquote do it right, the fact that they're out there and they've picked up a tool and they're doing something that's really different from what they've just spent the last eight to 10 hours doing, like there's definitely value in that because beauty gets pushed to the side, but it really is for everyone. And everyone can make beauty if they just are given a few tools and a little guidance and sometimes a little education and also a little help. You know, sometimes people don't want to do the work themselves necessarily, but they want to participate in visioning a space that they're going to really enjoy and that their family is going to enjoy. So we know that entrepreneurship is tough. Uh, That's not a secret. Um, (laughs) Tell me about some of the setbacks that you faced in this entrepreneurial journey. Sure. Um, Yeah, it's always good to talk about setbacks because you learn so much from them. I will say that um, the recession of 2007, 2008 was a little, that was a tough time for me. I was rather newly in business. I didn't really know how to approach clients during kind of a tenuous time when they were trying to make decisions about how to spend money. And, you know, I lost a few clients and a few people moved away. And so my business took a dip during that time so that I would say that's one setback. Um, 
you know, whenever you are taking care of a space for a long period of time and then someone, it's not your garden, but I become invested in the gardens. I really care about the spaces. I really care about the plants. I really care about the people that I serve and who hire me. And so if someone moves away, I tend to take that, you know, it's a loss. It's definitely a loss. And other than that, you know, COVID has definitely been a game changer, but on the lucky side for me, it's easy to social distance in my job, in my work, and I work outside most of the time. So I would say that my setbacks have been surprisingly minimal, but I definitely, I feel like it always brings me back to communication. So learning how to talk about it better with the people that are involved, my clients, um, it pushes me to be a better communicator. And that is always good for business. Yeah, I'd say communication is absolutely key. So that's great. And, you know, it's nice to hear that you have such a positive outlook on that. Mm -hmm. So, well, let's talk about the flip side then. What are some of your biggest milestones? Ah, (laughs) well, this is, I guess, where I become more of a shy entrepreneur and say, like, I feel like I'm not, I'm not there yet. (laughs) And um, as a gardener, as a person, you know, I'm kind of an urban farmer, frankly, as someone who's working the land, I, I think because we work so much with cycles, we never feel like you reach the top of a mountain by any means. You just, you keep um, moving through different seasons, literally, of the year, but also of your business. Uh, so, I mean, I'm I'm definitely proud of hiring my first employees. I know that that maybe sounds small, but in a really expensive city, like that actually represents that like I'm growing my business and I'm, you know, I'm making it happen for myself, but also for a few other people that I've brought along with me. And um, I'm just really proud that I've had certain clients for as long as I've had. I, I value my client relationships a lot and certain clients have been with me since before my son was born. So I remember being pregnant in their gardens and he's about to be 17 in October. So I really have had um, some clients for quite a long time. Wow. That means, I mean, it, it means so much to me that people trust me that much. And at this point though, those people are my friends, you know, that's great. And I will say that hiring your first employees, that's not small at all. That's a big deal. Um, (laughs) yeah, no, I, I, I was, um, I was so proud this year when I could do that. Yeah. So it was this year. Was it one person? Yes. So I have one person and I'm about to bring a second person on because spring is crazy, even in COVID times. (laughs) Spring is very exuberant. (laughs) So in the green world, there's lots of growing and lots of projects and people get really excited. So that's great. Yeah. I imagine, especially with everyone being cooped up, if they can get outside and enjoy a lovely garden, that's where they want to be. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. The nurseries have been so empty because everyone has been home and people are rediscovering their gardens. They're rediscovering how to, you know, do home things, bake bread and you I know. Know, pickle things. <laughs> and so it's, it's, um, people have a lot of space for that right now. So it's, definitely a silver lining. Yes, absolutely. So you participated in the Empower by GoDaddy program with Renaissance Center. I did. Tell me about, you know, how'd you hear about this program? Why'd you join? 
So I heard about the program through the Renaissance Center. I have, you know, been kind of, I, I visit their website once in a while. I've, you know, kind of keep tabs on classes that they're offering. Their coursework is very affordable and very accessible to me. Just a short uh, walk or bus ride downtown. And that's how I heard about the class. And I was so blown away and impressed <laughs> by the support that GoDaddy gave to us. And it just really, you know, it really pushed us forward. Me specifically, I, it was it was definitely the type of help that I needed to kind of rebrand my business and, like I said, turn the ship and make my business more of what I want it to be going forward in this next little chapter of my life. So I think all of us have role models in life and in business, but tell me about who some of your role models are and what made you follow their career. Yeah. Um, you know, I, well, I mentioned my mom, so she's definitely been a huge role model and, um, just kind of a, a tough, sassy lady who <laughs> has always, you know, she's just getting things done a lot. So, uh, she's, she's not so much a, career example to me. She's more of a personal example of someone who just perseveres and she's very resilient in that way. And I don't tend to be. So I look to people who tend to have more of that evenness and don't get discouraged very easily. Or if they do get discouraged, they plow through and keep going. And my mom is definitely an example of that. And in terms of other, um, I'm just really fortunate to know a lot of amazing women in the Bay Area who are working in different ways. You know, my friend Kara Bratcher, she's part of a restaurant group in the city here. And I've known her for, I think, maybe 15 years or so now. And I've just kind of watched her, you know, grow her business and grow her role in that business. And I, I just find everyday people in my life inspiring more so than looking outside of my own circle. I don't know really why that is, but I just tend to take inspiration from a lot of different types of people that I know in the Bay. And that's great. And that's good to be surrounded by people who inspire you. That's pretty important. Yes, definitely. So as an entrepreneur, do you have a favorite saying or a ritual or something when you're feeling down or when times get tough? You know, I don't have a, a special mantra or a ritual or anything like that. Well, that's not true exactly. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm i really lucky to be with the plants, gardening, being in natural spaces. And so if I'm feeling low or I'm feeling like I am having a problem or a thought needs to be resolved in my head around my business, I just go to the garden, I go to the plants and I weed I know it sounds nerdy, but <laughs> certain certain types of gardening tasks are can be very meditative if you are able to not be frustrated by them. So <laughs> I would I was it's funny, but I literally I I like get down on my knees and I weed. <laughs> and usually, you know, within like 15 minutes I feel better. Maybe I should try that. I think my landscapers would be happy if I did some of the weeding. <laughs> I might have to try that. <laughs> so, you know, you shared that you've had clients for 17, 18 years. You've been on this journey a while. Was there a moment in this journey where you've said, you know, I made it? Or if that moment hasn't come yet, what will it take for you to get there? All right. Um, 
I don't think that I've made it yet <laughs> in my mind. I mean, I feel very, I feel accomplished and proud of what I'm doing, but I feel like I have so many dreams and visions. And the short list, frankly, is I'm excited in the more recent future to offer a couple workshops. Um, I'm working on developing those right now while I have a little extra downtime with shelter in place. But then also, I really have, I have land aspirations and dreams and I, I want to, I want to grow medicinal herbs and I make teas. Um, that's also part, been part of my website. I have a little online store and I, I'm really interested in growing the herbs that I can put in my teas that I make. That's great. Yeah. So someday soon, hopefully there'll be a patch of land out there with my name on it. I love that. <laughs> Well, I think you honestly answered all of the questions that I have. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to make sure you say? I think I want to just emphasize the power of being in the garden for people. I just want to let people know people tend to kind of just get too busy or get, you know, they spend a lot of time on their phone and then suddenly they're not feeling so good. And if people can just take a breath and step outside and get their hands a little bit dirty, nine times out of 10, they're actually they're going to feel better. And I just noticed this. I hear about it again and again. You know, people always say to me, gardening is so relaxing. <laughs> and it really is. And I think even if you're not trying to make some big, beautiful garden, but you just have a small little project that lights you up and gives you joy, a little succulent in a pot or starting some seeds, you know, I mean, it can just, it can be really simple. It doesn't have to be complicated for you to, you know, to connect with the ground and to feel better. So, so what tips do you have for someone like me who has whatever is the opposite of a green thumb? How do you, <laughs> how do you keep plants alive? Hmm. Well, sometimes you love them to death a little too much. You either forget about them and you underwater or you love them too much and you overwater. So I think you have to kind of be honest with yourself about maybe what you're doing, like which category you fall into. And then you can actually <laughs> learn through observation. You just, it's just really about observation and paying attention. And then it tends to go better. And also start with a really tough plant that is going to work in your space. That helps tremendously too. And a lot of the garden centers, people are really happy to like just recommend those super tough plants. And then you build on your success. Okay. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> You're um, so welcome. I know you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. It's definitely a big priority for me now. That's for <laughs> sure. Of just, just I'm craving some of that greenery around me. Yes. And so I just, I, I need to put some time into learning about it. Well, just feel free to reach out to me anytime. I'm happy to chat with you over email or telephone. <laughs> I, I don't mind at all. <laughs> well, thank you. Of course. I'm Katie Delwich, founder of Cloud and Crow Garden and Apothecary, and I made my business in San Francisco, California. Katie fosters connections and helps city people remember that they're an integral part of the natural world. She started with an idea and has since grown her business into multiple facets to continue pursuing her passion and her dream. We talk of the land of opportunity, 
but often it is the grit and will of the individual that cracks open the door to opportunity. Join us next week as we continue to talk to the amazing humans who are making their own way. Before we go, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This podcast is powered by GoDaddy and made with the help of our producers at Human Group Media.